0: Okay, finally, we passed the introduction. We can actually look at some exercises. Let's start looking at asanas, yoga postures, the most famous, popular part of yoga. Remembering that yoga means union, uniting our consciousness with the divine infinite consciousness. Asana Means seat or position. The physical exercises are called yoga asanas. There are many yoga asanas, but what is it that differentiates a yoga asana from any other exercise? How is it different, for example, from push ups? And I've found three basic elements that are in yoga asanas that seem to be important for creating that energy of unity and union. The first one is relaxation on natural movement. This is using the minimum effort to create that movement. This is a principle that would be familiar to anyone who practices Tai Chi. Finding the most gentlest, easiest way of moving, rather than the more stressful ways. The second is moving from the center. And the center in yoga is the breath. Every movement comes from a natural expression of the breath. As we breathe out, we collapse forwards. As we breathe in, we sit back up straight or extend backwards. And at the end of the breath, when you hold your breath for a moment, or for longer sometimes, we hold strong as that holding creates and intensity in the muscles which is still in line with with relaxed natural movement because in a natural way out of that holding of the breath the whole body's muscles engage, they don't stress. It's the natural movement, the natural movement that you see a dog who is running engaging and using the body but in a very relaxed natural way. Am I using the word natural too many times? Naturally, perhaps I am. The third principle is extension. Extending The chi or energy of the body, of the consciousness in the body, all the way out into infinity. And this is what connects us to that infinite and creates that union. So each of the moves expresses these three principles a natural movement, a movement from the center, and an extension. And all of those things work together to create these yoga postures. And the particular form of the yoga posture, where you hold your hands, how exactly the movement is done, is defined by these principles. So if you practice very consciously working with these principles, then you'll learn to do each Posture in a very deep, profound way. Some examples where, this, where there are issues around this, where people do not do it well often. Headstand. Murti taught not to do headstand. He said it was dangerous. I haven't demonstrated that it's dangerous in my in my studies, but I have seen that the headstand does not extend energy naturally. The pressure on the head blocks the energy. One solution that I found that does enable the energy to flow is to do a sh- an elbow stand rather than a headstand. So we do use the same position, but all of the weight is held on the elbows and hands, and none of the weight is on the head. So clearly the weight on the head is a problem. Um, so headstand with a weight on the head, definitely not a good yoga posture and possibly dangerous. The expectation is that the, over time um, doing a headstand with the weight on the head can actually um, increase the risk of stroke and I have seen evidence for that in terms of a, number of, a certain number of people that I've come across who did a lot of headstands and died of stroke seem to be rather a lot. But I haven't done any significant statistical research to be able to tell this for sure. Another exercise that I see done badly often is the downwards dog. Um, There's a tendency to want to move the legs and to creep the legs up in towards your body or to step from one side to the other to swing your hips around to kind of be more free in the position which obviously comes out of that atimanash creative freedom layer of the mind But if you hold yourself, your body, in that position and breathe and relax and allow your body to move naturally from the breath, these kind of movements are not natural. They're movements that require stress and extension. I'm sorry, not extension. They require stress and use of the muscles in the extremities. Um, All of the movement should start with the breath. And that kind of movement from that position cannot start with the breath. On the other hand, in the cat position, the hips are much more free and it's possible to do a lot more movement from that position. Salute to the sun. The whole sequence has a series of issues of unnatural movement. I've come up with a few alternatives to the way that we can, we can do this exercise in a slightly better way. Um, never quite settled on, on the best version of it. Um, but here's a few pointers. When you reach upwards, and lean and your body leans backwards a little bit. The energy extension is going up, directly up to heaven, up above your head. The movement is not a leaning backwards, it's a reaching upwards, and a little bit of arching of the spine happens in that reaching upwards. As we put our hands down on the ground, If we put them on either side of our feet, in line with our feet, and then we step one foot back, we end up in a very uncomfortable, awkward position with the back arched forwards. one could put the hands a little bit further in front of you and then as we reach our leg back we remain in a comfortable extended position. Another thing one could do is actually put the hands between the legs have the legs a little bit apart and then as you reach one foot back the other knee on the outside of your hands which gives it space it doesn't get in the way of your back so whatever there it is there's some need for creating a version of salute to the sun that is more in line with natural body movement principles some things that I have seen that are very good Certainly, yoga lathes is quite good at teaching people how to use the body in a natural way based on pilates concepts and then extend that into the yoga postures. So if people learn first these uh, very simple pilates movements that lead into the yoga postures, then we actually, when we actually do the yoga postures... They're done deeply and correctly because you're really understanding how natural movement works. Hmm. Also, each asana, each yoga posture creates a particular feeling, a particular state of consciousness. And here we're not talking about the layers of consciousness. We're talking about different kinds of emotional states. This would be related to the vrittis, the petals of the chakras, the individual small energy centers clustered around the chakras that each is responsible for a particular state of mind, a particular mental propensity, as they call it. Now, if you tune into each one of those petals, you'll find a particular state of mind. One of them is more sweet and loving. One of them is more determined. One of them is more impatient, etc. So each... Yoga posture, each asana, activates and heals particular ones of these petals. And it would be possible to choose particular asanas depending on the needs of the person, depending on which petals have issues, to heal those issues. And it would also be possible to analyze exactly which asanas work on which petals. And that would be a very interesting exercise for future spiritual science research. I've done a little bit of it, but it needs some development as, as yet. Anandamarga chose a particular small set of asanas as being the most important ones to work with for this reason I believe that they are chosen to have to work on particular vrittis now there are 50 vrittis and there are only 40 something asanas in the Anandamaga set and so it seems to me that there are some missing and it's not sufficient also that Also that it is good for us to be able to extend and explore and use our bodies in different ways. And so limiting ourselves to only these asanas is perhaps counterproductive. I find it good to have a set of very simple asanas that are very good for beginners to simply learn how to use their body in an effective way. And then we can have a bit more of an extension of that into vinyasa and slightly more difficult postures. And at the third level, when people start to get more sensitive to their own energy body, then they can start to work with the individual asanas that they need at that time and so there it's worth learning specific asanas for specific vrittis and there's a certain sense of cutting back not doing all of the asanas anymore not doing all of this grand vinyasa but just the little things that I need at this point Another quite good development that Ananda made was the inclusion of self massage after the yoga, after the asanas. I find this greatly beneficial. My experience has been that it feels very natural after working through the asanas enough that I feel I don't need any more stretching and I don't need any more Stretching of my mind, uh, doing the asana as well with this energy extension, and the creating the different mental experiences that heal our different vrittis. They, it's quite an exercise for our healing of ourselves and our consciousness on a deeper level, not just of the body. Once we get to a certain level of having done enough for today it feels very natural to start mm-hmm. doing a little bit of self massage generally done by rubbing the hands together putting them over the eyes working over the gently over the forehead and the hair and different parts of the face. Some people have actually created a system called face yoga, which is very similar to this, leaving out all of the postures and only doing this kind of self-massage on the face. In this case, we're looking at doing massage on all of the body over the, over the skin, not over the clothes. And massaging the oils back into the skin and also the theory given is that it seems to engage the lymph as well. What I've personally noticed is firstly that it feels very natural and it feels very uplifting and, and positive and healing on a and of course muscle tests very strong and good. I've also found that it works on my skin very quickly. So if I have any dry skin, any issues with my skin, a few yoga sessions with this massage makes the skin much better very quickly if i don't do the massage it doesn't really doesn't really help and so i have seen a little bit of a comparison between what is what the results are with the massage and without and it's certainly better it would be nice to do a deeper study of whether it makes a difference on a deeper healing as well, on the healing of um, inner body issues, not just the skin. Um, And then the next important concept in yoga asanas is corpse posture. When do you do corpse posture and how much of it? There's, there's uh, quite a lot of talk about it being important, not just in the Nandamaga tradition, in, in uh, all of the traditions that I've come across. But I've rarely seen people really use it all that much. They use it at the end to relax. And I think that is important. I think it is important to use it at the end to relax. There's some question of whether one should use it and relax in between every yoga posture that you do. From my personal experience, that seems a little bit extreme. It feels unnatural to do it between every posture. But it does feel natural to have space for if you do a little bit of a posture that's a little bit difficult and you have a moment where you feel like resting that it's worth resting back into that corpse posture. Again, here is another experiment that would be worth doing. What difference does it make if you use more of the corpse posture? Does it make the healing deeper? Does it make no difference? Is it actually counterproductive? Um, That would be interesting to see. So there are some basic ideas about the practice, practice of asanas. A couple of points that could be explored that I haven't looked at yet. One is the use of um, half bath of freshening up with water in a particular yoga way which has been suggested as being really good to do before the asanas. Now, how much difference does this make? I know that half bath. Does good things. But how much good things and what exactly? Um, and how important is it? I, and another thing that's often encouraged is after the asanas to go for a walk in nature. Now, how much difference does that make? Does that really deepen the experience of the asanas or is it only? Nice thing to do. It would also be very interesting to study deeper the possibilities of healing with asanas. If you chose the right asanas for the person with their particular issues and their rittis, how much healing is possible? I've seen that there's a lot of healing that happens through asanas, but how much and what exactly is possible and can this be developed into a really effective healing modality or does it need something um, alongside it to to work with it um, and I also question whether there are particular people who get more out of asanas than the yoga asanas than other others it's seems to me, I've observed, that people have different natural movement styles. And if you allow people to, if you get people to let their bodies move naturally, some people come out with yoga movements, and some people come out with things that more like, look more like tai chi or, or ballet or some other completely different movement system. And so does that mean that those people would get less out of yoga asanas? than somebody who is more attuned to it. If uh, anyone's interested in doing any of those studies or telling me what they find, I will be very interested to hear